We're going to continue our, uh, I'm doing a series of sermons, you know, here and there. It's, I think it's been three, three weeks or more since I've preached on Joseph, but we're going, th- going through a series of sermons on the life of Joseph and trying to glean what we can out of the life of Joseph. And uh, one of the most incredible things, one of the true incredible things about Joseph is he's a great type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, the great types of, uh, of Joseph in there are amazing. Now, uh, just to kind of give you an idea, Joseph was favored of his father. He was given a coat of many colors. His other brothers, ten brothers, they envied him. They did not like him, and they were out to kill him. They went, he got alone with them, and as soon as he got alone with them out in the, out in the wilderness where nobody could see what they were going to do, they decided they were going to kill him. Well, they uh, changed their mind, and Reuben kind of helped them change their mind a little bit, and they threw him down in a pit, and they said, well, let's not kill him when we can make money off of him. So they came, up, they came along, they sold him into slavery for 30 pieces of silver, gave him to the, uh, gave him to the, the slave uh, drivers. They took him to Potiphar's house in Egypt. And he lived in Potiphar's house in Egypt, and he became very, very powerful in Potiphar's house. And then he was wrongly accused of a sexual harassment before there was, uh, before there was any Me Too movement. He was wrongly accused, and he got thrown in prison for that by Potiphar. And while he's in prison, while he's in prison, he stayed there for a couple of years, and he had uh, two of the servants of, of Pharaoh get thrown into prison, get thrown in prison, the butler and the uh, bread maker, or the baker. And they both had a dream, so they come to, jo- Joseph hears they have a dream, so Joseph interprets a dream. His, his interpretation from God came true, and he said, whatever you do, just remember me when you come out of here. Because he told the butler, you're about to get out, please remember me, and the butler forgot him. And what's amazing about the story of Joseph is it was prophesied when he was a young man, God told him what was going to happen in his life. That your brothers are going to bow down before you. Now, it was hard to believe that when he was in the pit crying out thinking he was about to get killed. It was really hard for him to believe that when he's way off in a foreign country as a slave in Potiphar's house. It was hard for him to believe God's word. And it got even harder when he was took from Potiphar's house for something he didn't do and thrown into a prison into the deep, darkest part of a dungeon for a couple of years or more, it was really, really hard to believe that God's word was going to come true. And then when uh, Joseph was, Joseph was uh, in prison, the butler was told about Pharaoh's dream that Pharaoh had, and so he said, hey, it just came back to me, and it's my fault, but there's a guy in prison, he interpreted my dream, he's really good at interpreting dreams, his name's Joseph, Let's bring him out. So Pharaoh brings him out. Pharaoh tells him a dream. Joseph interprets it. Not only interprets it through the wisdom of God. God gives him interpretation. But Joseph also tells him what he needs to do now. And how best to handle that. That there's a famine coming in the land. This is how you need to handle it. Pharaoh was so impressed and so moved by this godly boy, this godly man, that he says, I'm going to make you second in command. I'm going to make you second in the kingdom. Everything goes through you except the little stuff that goes through me. And he put, he put uh, Joseph in, in command. You know what he gave Joseph a new name? You know what he gave Joseph the name of? He gave Joseph the name of, I'm going to try to pronounce it, Zephnathpunia, Zephnathpunia, something close to that. But what's interesting about that name and why I wanted to pronounce that name for you is, you know what that's interpreted as? That's interpreted as Savior of the world. Pharaoh said, I'm going to call you now the Savior of the world. You see why Joseph's such a great type of Jesus Christ? And that's where the story's led up to. Now, Joseph, 
He's come in to be the second in command of the, of, the, of the wealthiest, most powerful country in the world. And now he is called the Savior of the world. And that's where we're, we've led to. Now the famine's about to begin. And look at chapter 41. Look at chapter 41, verse 53. Let's get the context. Let's go through this together. And so you have the famine's about to, get, be, is about to begin, just like God prophesied it. And the seven years of plenteous that was in the land of Egypt were ended. Remember those prophecies, seven years of good, seven years of, of famine. Verse 54, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according to Joseph, as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So now you have this famine that's going on so long that all the countries around Egypt are starting to famish. All the countries around Egypt are starting to wither away. They don't have any bread. There's, but Egypt has the bread because Joseph had a great plan given to him from God on how to handle this situation. God can work in your life and give you wisdom, brothers and sisters. Whatever you have, whatever's going on in your life, be it finances or whatever, you need to pray to God to ask Him for wisdom. When the doctors do something that helps heal you up, you give God the glory for the wisdom He's given them to be able to heal you up. You thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for all kinds of little silly things that might be silly to other people, but they make my life better, and I thank the Lord for it. I really do thank the Lord because He's given them the wisdom to be able to create whatever it is or invent whatever it is that I'm thanking the Lord for. But look at verse 55. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, for what he saith to you, do. Go unto Joseph, for what he, go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, underline this, do it. Do. Do. So Joseph, is, excuse me, Pharaoh tells Everybody's coming to him and say, hey, we need bread. We need bread. We're dying out here. We're drying up. It's, we need some food. And what does, Joseph, what does Pharaoh say? Go to Joseph, the Savior of the world. What he said to you, do. And Joseph's going to save him. Now, in, in type, that's a great type of Jesus Christ. Because you know what Jesus Christ, I mean, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. What, you know what the Father, God, says about Jesus Christ? He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear Ye him. Hear ye him. If you go to the Father and go to God and you're trying to reach out to God, you say, I know I'm a created being. I know there's a creation. I know there's a God. I'm going to go to the God. I'm going to go to the, I don't know you know what his name is, but the God of this universe, I'm going to go to him. And if you go to him searching for the truth, go to him in honesty and truth, and you go to, the, go to God, you know what the Holy Spirit's going to lead you? He's going to lead you to Jesus Christ. Amen. The Father's saying, go to the Son. Go to Joseph. Go to Jesus Christ. Also in great top there is verse 55. It says, And the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. They cried to Pharaoh for bread. Joseph's going to give them the bread, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives us the bread. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And he's talking about not physical things, he's talking about spiritual things. Once you come 
and become, once you come and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're never going to thirst for another Savior again. You're never going to be hungry for another religion again. Once you've got the real deal, everything else is going to look like sewer water. Everything else is going to look horrible because Jesus Christ is so true and so pure and so holy that he, he, he outshines everybody else. And that's why he can say, you'll never hunger again and you're never going to thirst again. Jesus Christ went on to say in that same context in uh, John chapter 6, verse 45, 48, He says, I am that bread of life. Amen. See, they were relying in the wilderness when Moses and the children of Israel were walking around, they were relying on God to send down the bread from heaven called manna. And they feasted on that manna for 40 years. And He said, you know, you had that bread that was from heaven that wasn't really bread from heaven. He says, I am that bread of life. If you'll come to Jesus Christ, He'll feed you not only spiritually, but He'll feed you physically. He'll give you what, everything you need. And that's what Joseph is representing here. Verse 56. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. So now all the countries were getting bad. But notice what it says. Joseph opened up all the storehouses. Friend, Jesus Christ can open up all the storehouses of God's grace. And I'm telling you, man, when you, <laughs> you get to worshiping Jesus Christ and get to serving Jesus Christ and get to fellowshipping with Jesus Christ, those storehouses of grace and mercy and when you're repenting of your sins and you're getting, trying to get cleaned up and washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, all this spiritual stuff that you start trying to grow in the Lord, He just opens up His storehouses. And it's just such an overabundance of grace that He, he never runs out of grace. In verse 57, He goes on to say, the Bible goes on to say, And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. How is Joseph such a great type of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ, just like Joseph was for all countries, Jesus Christ is for all people, nationalities. He's for all, it don't matter where you're from. You could be from China. You can be from Mexico. You can be from North America, Europe. You can be from the Icelands. You could be from Antarctica. Jesus Christ is for everybody all over the world, all races, all genders. Everybody should come to Jesus Christ for salvation Amen. in Jesus Christ. He's for everybody. And I thank, I thank the Lord for that. Amen. I really do. Verse 42. Now we're getting into it. One of the most beautiful stories in the whole Bible. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, how did he see that? He hadn't seen it. But it says he saw it. Guys, you can see something and never laid your eyes on it. I can see heaven coming. I've never laid my eyes on it. But I see it coming. I've known, in my heart, I've imagined it, and, and, and it's so real to me that I can see it. And Jacob says, I've heard about it. Look at verse, uh, uh, look, let's keep on reading. That there was coming to Egypt. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, so that, you, that we may live and not die. You can see... You can see something without putting your eyes on it because you've heard about it and you can believe. 
see that process that happens? That's what happens with us with Jesus Christ. We've never seen Jesus Christ, but we've heard through the word about Jesus Christ, and now, therefore we believe, and even though we've never seen, we've seen. We've seen. We've never seen physically, but with our spiritual eyes, we have seen. We've seen the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. What does that mean? That means you get your faith by hearing the word of God. It comes into you, and then you believe, and then all of a sudden you st- your eyes are opened, you're enlightened, and now you can see. And you come in. That's what's going on here with Jacob. So he tells his sons are down in Canaan. They have a famine. Just in God's land, there's a famine. And he says, hey, we're about to die. We've got to go get some food. Go to, go to Egypt, verse 3. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother... Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Let's peradventure mischief befall him. <laughs> he don't want Benjamin to die. See, he already lost Joseph. He don't want to lose Benjamin. And verse 5, And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Oh, Woo-wee. you mean way, way back then when Joseph was a young man said, you know what, I just had a dream and in my dream you all bowed down to me. Your sheaves, your sheaves, your bundle of sheaves bowed down to my sheaf. Referring to the famine, referring to the bread. And Joseph lived his life and did all, went through all the trials and tribulations of life knowing what God had said and he still was still faithful to the Lord. Knowing that, man, how is this ever going to come? Play? I, I remember that dream and don't you know he kind of put it off and said, well, I must have just misunderstood. That must have not have been a good version. Maybe I need to get another version of that dream. Maybe I need to get another interpretation of that dream. And he probably tried to start convincing himself that dream was never going to come true. And lo and behold... God has put Joseph, God has put Joseph as second in command. Everybody has to come to Joseph to get the bread. Nobody else. You can't go anywhere else to get the bread. God the Father says Jesus Christ is the only way you're going to get to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only place you can get the bread. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You want some of Pharaoh's bread? You got to come through Joseph only. You want some of the bread that God the Father can give you? You can only come through Jesus Christ. He said, I am that bread of life. Amen. See these great tops in there? It's wonderful. But here we go. Here comes the brethren. And don't you know they're coming into Egypt and they're scared? They're, in, they're, they're like us country folk here going to the big city. That's why we were all scared about our women going up to see Sister Carolyn. They all ganged up and were like, oh man, these girls are going to the big city and they're going up there to see Carolyn because she, she kind of lives in the country, but she lives real close to the big city. So uh, I, know, I, I know Brother Ronnie's praying and I'm praying, but we probably should have been praying for them, amen? I mean, we don't know what they're going to do after you hear some of the stories I've told. But the point is that here's these young men and they're from Israel and they're living around God's people and they're used to God's people. And uh, Sister Sage, wherever you're at, you can understand this. They're used to being around God's people and then they, get, they go to the big city and they get in and all of a sudden, wow, look at all this sin, look at all this... Egypt was big and sinful, and they worshiped the wrong God. And they go up there, and they only can go to this one man, and here's this wrong, tall man standing. 
And he sees those ten young men come up, those ten men, excuse me, ten men come up to him. And what do they do? They bow down. Even when it seems impossible to you, God's word will come true. (laughs) It does. It's been over and over in this Bible. This Bible is true. You can believe this Bible. Don't take my word for it. Believe this Bible because of the prophecy of this Bible. This Bible prophesied 2,000 years ago, and you can't get around it. It's as plain as white and day. I mean, it's in black and white letters. You can't misinterpret it. This Bible predicted 2,000 years ago that we would go to a cashless society, and there would be a one-world government with a one-world religion. Now, if you have any kind of eyes to see, you're seeing that happen before your very eyes. And he can control everything. And that should wake you up. Those prophecies are in there. And even though it seems impossible, it will come to pass. So Joseph sees the impossible come to pass as he sees the twelve brethren come up and bow themselves down to him. They have no idea what's going on. Verse 7, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew knew not him. Now, you might ask yourself in verse 7, you say, Well, Jesus Christ and Joseph are great types of each other. Yes. Well, I I don't think Jesus Christ would speak to me roughly because it says he made himself stranger to them and spake roughly. We've not been reading your Bible then. Because that exact thing... Self, he made himself strange unto them. That happened to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along. Jesus Christ has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's gone up. And they're walking along and they're talking to each other about this situation. You know what happens? Jesus Christ comes walking around. What are you boys talking about? And the Bible says their eyes were holding it. They didn't realize it was Jesus. And they're just walking. How much, I wonder how many times that's happened to us. Kind of scary. Kind of scary. So Jesus is walking with them. They don't realize it's Jesus. And he's like, what are y'all boys talking about? And they're like, are you crazy? Where have you been? You've been hiding in the cave. I'm paraphrasing. They said, this man, Jesus. And they start telling everything about Jesus. And they don't believe he's resurrected. They kind of are having a hard time believing it. You know what Jesus Christ calls them? Fools. He speaks pretty rough to them. I'll give you a quote, what Jesus Christ says. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Amen. These guys are walking around, and they're, see, they, they think they're being smart. They're telling Jesus how it goes. They're telling Jesus what's been going on. They're telling Jesus, and they're kind of talking down to Jesus, and Jesus turns to them and says, you're fools. Why are they fools? Because you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's your Bible. Guys, you might be slow to pay your bills. You might be slow to mow your grass. You might be slow to wash your dishes. But whatever you do, don't be slow to believe God's word. Amen. Jesus Christ, he never got on to him for not understanding. He got on for him for not believing. And being slow of heart to believe. You don't have to understand everything in the word of God. It's above you. It's written by God through the Holy Spirit. But you have to believe. Just put your faith in it and say like Joseph did, said, man, I had this dream that God said they're bowed down to me. It's impossible. I'm in, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pit. 
It's impossible. I'm a slave in a slave house. It's impossible. I've been in prison for years and years. It's impossible, God. And one day he stands and the impossible becomes possible. Amen. And he speaks roughly to him. I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. They tried to kill him. And he sees his opportunity. Don't you know Joseph's like, whoa, there they are. Yeah, I remember you. I remember you, man. I remember what you did to me. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. This is a great type of Jesus Christ, because what's scary, well, it's not scary, but what's kind of sad is how many Jews don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Their very brother. If there's anybody who should receive and accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah of the world, it should be the Jew. It should be Israel. And the Bible says that's a great mystery. And the Bible says, Paul says, they're blinded by God until the time of the Gentiles come in. And that's what's happening here. This is all great types. Israel's been, what we've studied and what we've preached together, Israel and Jacob, we don't know what's been going on with them. It's all been about Joseph and the Gentiles, Joseph and the Gentiles, Joseph and the Gentiles. And then at the end of that Gentile period, here comes, God brings Israel back into the picture. This is a great time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation period, the end times like we're, about to, we're living in today. These are all great types. And now they don't know him even though they're seeing him. Jesus can be right in front of you and you not realize it. What's the scariest thing is when somebody comes into this church that's lost and going to a devil's hell. And salvation. Something that's worth a billion dollars. A billion dollars couldn't pay for this. A trillion dollars couldn't pay for this. Salvation, eternal life. Is right there in front of them. And it goes right past them. They don't see it. How many of us would love to find the fountain of youth? How many, how many people have searched for, I want to stay young, I want to stay, I want eternal life, I want, and it's right in front of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The eternal fountain of youth. They knew him not, and Joseph remembered, look at verse 9, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. <laughs> he remembered, he's like, wow, okay, this is coming to pass just like I dreamed. The impossibles came, become possible. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said unto them, You're spies. And to see the nakedness of the land, you're come. The worst thing you could be called in a foreign country is a spy. You're spies. Don't you know their knees started shaking? Don't you know they got scared and they said unto him, verse 10, Nay, nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy, thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants are no spies. See, they're trying. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Now, they know this is getting bad real quick. This is getting bad really, really quick. We're not spies. No, no, no. We're just, we're just coming in trying to buy some food. Verse 12, and he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land year come. Boy, he's playing one on them, isn't he? I don't blame him. Some of y'all who have brothers and sisters, y'all would do the same thing. I have a little sister, and I would do anything I could to torture her. I'm not saying I would kill her. I'd say I would torture her. Just pick on her. And my, you ask my, my wife. She asked me one time. I, if I didn't know, I wouldn't know y'all even kin the way y'all talked about each other. That's just the way I grew up. I mean, if you have a brother and sister, it's your duty to pick on them. It's my, my job. I think it is. Okay. Verse 13. They said, thy servants were, are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, Benjamin. And 
One is not. That's Joseph. That's Joseph. They're admitting that Joseph is no longer there. Verse 14, And Joseph said unto them, that is, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. He's not changing his mind. You're spies. I don't care what you say. You're spies. Verse 15, Hereby ye shall be proved, Joseph says. By the life of Pharaoh you shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Joseph wants to see Benjamin. Joseph really, really wants to see Benjamin. Because Benjamin and Joseph are from the same mother. They're from the same mother. So he's really close to her, him. Verse 16, send one of you and let him fetch your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye are spies. Uh-oh, they've been arrested. They're about to, they've been arrested, they're thrown in the clink, they didn't do anything wrong and now they've been arrested. Kind of paying, him back, paying them back from when he got thrown in jail for doing nothing wrong. But they did do something wrong. Verse 17, and he put them all together into ward. Notice that, three days. Anytime you see in your Bible three days, you know what that is? That's a type of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, it must be guaranteed. So they're thrown in prison. Look, three days. Notice what he does. In three days, verse 18, And Joseph said unto them, The third day, the resurrection day, This do and live, for I fear God. Joseph comes in and says, Okay, guys, i got a plan for you guys, because I fear God. I want to make this right. That's what Joseph says. Verse 19, If ye be true men, let one of your brethren... Be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. So he says, you know what? I fear God. All of y'all can go, but one of you is going to stay. On the third day, he comes in and says that. That is, he's teaching through the type. He's teaching the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that there's deliverance through substitution. There's deliverance through substitution. That because Jesus Christ was delivered to the cross of Calvary, now you can, he, He's been your substitute for your death, and now you can be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So now Simeon is going to take the place and be in type Jesus Christ here. But look at verse, and he's the one that gets chosen. Look at verse 21. Here we go. This gets deep. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother. Talking about Joseph. And that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Reuben says, You know what, guys? This is because of what we did to Joseph. This has nothing to do with Joseph. We know Joseph, this is Joseph, but they don't know that. Remember, they don't know that. All of a sudden, Reuben says, you know what, guys? I know what this is all about. This is all about the way we treated Joseph. When we had him down in the pit, now guys, remember this. He was, as a younger brother, crying out, guys, don't do this. Guys, let me out of here, guys. And he's crying, and he's begging, and he's pleading. And they were so heartless. They let him cry and beg, and then they sold him out. And don't you know, as he was being carried off by the slave traders, that he was crying, guys, don't do this. And they could hear him as he got carried further and further away. He said, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us. What does this have to do with Joseph? Nothing. What it has to do with is you got sinners. You got sinners. 
For a sinner, his conscience is always reminding him that his sin will come back to haunt him. If you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do what it, you can do entertainment, you might do drugs, you might drink alcohol, I don't know, you might get yourself wrapped up into any kind of ways of life just to try to knock off that your self-conscious, your conscience telling you you're a sinner and you've done some things that you're going to have to pay for. Amen. And you know in the deepest parts of your heart, you can listen to atheists and you can listen to people who are ungodly and they try to convince you, oh, there's no God, you'll never pay for it. But in the deepest, darkest parts of your heart, you know there's a little light in there that says there's a payday someday. Amen. And the scripture says, and the Holy Spirit uses it against you and says, be sure your sin will find you out. Amen. Be sure your sin will find you out. And here we have sinners as they come. And Joseph, they don't even know this is Joseph. And they realize it's because of Joseph. It's because of this sin I did. It's finally coming back on me. Verse 22, And Reuben answered them, saying, Speak I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. They know what's happening. There's a payday someday. Verse 23. And they knew not that Joseph understood them for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept. Joseph's been cruel to him. Joseph's thrown him in prison. He's having a good time. Like I said, I would have done the same thing. And they don't even understand that he can hear them. Because Joseph's talking through an interpreter. And Joseph, being compassionate like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when they have and they deserve everything that they're getting and more, Joseph has compassion on them. And he turns and he weeps. It says, verse 23, They knew not that Joseph understood them. It's amazing that we can go through life not thinking that Jesus Christ can hear what we're saying and do what we're doing and see what we're doing. So many people think Jesus Christ can't hear me and they forget that Jesus Christ can not only hear you, He can see what you're doing. Amen. And that's a great type of that. They knew not that Joseph understood them. It says in verse 24, And he turned about himself from them and wept. That's a great type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because our Lord and Savior was a man of sorrows. It says when he came to Martha and Mary and he saw everybody weeping and crying over the death of their brother Lazarus, that it says the shortest verse of the Bible, it says Jesus wept. He had compassion. There's scripture that shows Jesus as he looked over Jerusalem and he's seen all the sinners, he's seen all the people going to hell, he's seen all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he's seen all the wickedness and he said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you together like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And he cried over Jerusalem. He was broken hearted. Real men will cry. There's some things that should make you cry. When you see your kids do something that breaks your heart, it should make you cry. When you see the way this world is falling apart and America is not what it used to be, it should make you cry. 
It breaks my heart to have this young lady come in and tell me she's going to a school that I assume would be a conservative school, a little high school, that she'd be in a good place, and she comes in and tells me everything. It sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah going down over there. And I'm not exaggerating, unless she's exaggerating. I don't believe she is. It breaks my heart that some young girl can't carry a Bible into school and not be mocked and made fun of and, and, and have the atheists come after her and the homosexuals come after her and she's in a conservative Texas town or what I thought was. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Now what you need to understand about Simeon, Simeon and Levi are cursed. And you'll find that out in Genesis chapter 49. Jacob gives the prophecy. When Jacob gives a prophecy, he curses Simeon and Levi. And Simeon and Levi are cursed because Simeon and Levi, their sister was, uh, was took advantage of, so they went and they just killed the whole village. So they're cursed and they're spread across in all of Israel. And that's what happens with Levi. Levi doesn't have a tribe anymore. They're the priests. They're just spread about. And Simeon, and when you go and study Simeon, they had like 22,000 people at the, at the time of Numbers, and everybody else had 40, 60, 80 big-time numbers, and Simeon was just a little people. And this has something to do with it right here. So he picked Simeon out of all of them. Simeon's the second oldest to Reuben. I guess he didn't pick Reuben because Reuben had tried to save him. It's interesting stuff. Verse 25. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way, and thus did he unto them. Now, okay, they're about to leave. And he said, okay, let's get everything together. So here's your sacks. And they give him the money for all the corn they bought. And they give him all the money. So he gives all the money and he tells his servants, okay, I want you to put all the money back into their sacks. You take it all, give it all back to them. And I want you to give them stuff on the way. Give them some meat. Give them some bread. Give them some water. Give them some stuff to get them so they can get back to their land. You know what that's called, brothers and sisters? That's called grace. That's called Joseph didn't have to do it. Most of us wouldn't do it. And Joseph showed grace to his brothers that didn't have it coming. And they laded their asses with the corn, verse 26, and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, they got, far, they got away from Egypt. They got to the inn. They took a break. They're going to sleep for the night. He espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. Uh-oh. And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God hath done unto us? What is this that God had done unto us? The last thing I want to show you this morning is I want to show you that they recognize God's hand working. Amen. They do. Amen. One of the craziest things I found out from studying my, the years of studying my Bible was that the, I tried to take the book of Esther out. If you know the story of Esther, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, but they, uh, some scholars have tried to take the book of Esther out. And the reason why they tried to take the book of Esther out of your Bible from years back is because of these two reasons. It doesn't say the word Lord, and it doesn't say the word God in there. The Lord himself specifically, the name is never mentioned, and God's never mentioned. But that just shows you the ignorance of some scholars. You know why? When you read the book of Esther, you see God's hand everywhere. <laughs> Christian, you're not seeing God. God's not speaking to you audibly. But if you look at your life, you should see God's hand everywhere. And they're smart enough to recognize that. They say, whoa, what is God doing to us? What is God doing to us? 
As Christians, we need to be aware and recognize when God's hand is at work in our lives and in others. We need to recognize that. I read a story of a guy, and he was walking along the street, and he saw one of his friends, and this is back in the 1600s, and he ran up, and he tapped his friend, and he says, How's it going with your soul? And his friend turned around, and it wasn't his friend. It was another man. He thought it was his friend. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, mister. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, go on. Have, have a good day. And he left. And four years later, a guy came knocking on the door, and he said, what well, can I help you? He goes, you don't recognize me? He said, uh, I was, no, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. He goes, you tapped me on the shoulder about four years ago, and you asked me, how, how is my soul doing? He said, it wasn't doing well. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, because of Jesus Christ, my soul is well. Amen. See God's hand in that. See God's hand moving in that. Simple things like that. They were dedicating one of our uh, battleships, and they had these big old guns, and they got all the dignitaries on there, the senators, some congressmen. They all got on this boat, and they were going to set off. They were going to shoot these big guns. They are going to really put on a show, and the Navy was going to put on a show. And uh, I think, I'm not sure which one. It was Secretary of Navy, I think, but he was on there, and he was pretty close to the gun right there, and he's watching right here. And one of these other guys got in, and he squeezed right in between him and the gun, and he said, what are you doing? He got mad at the guy. And right about that time, the gun went off. It exploded and killed the guy right in front of him. And he would write letters. And he wrote. And he said in his own handwriting, he said, I knew that was God's hand moving and saving my life. And I knew from thenceforth that I should be serving him and only him. Amen. He said, I seen God's hand save my life. Now what do I do? I should only be serving him and only him. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know everybody has sin. And everybody's like the children of Israel. They've done some sins, and they know there's a payday someday. And let me tell you some good news. There's Joseph's out there. His, name's in, his name is Jesus Christ. He's the Savior of the world. He has the bread of life. And let me tell you something. Just like Joseph shows grace in here, Jesus shows a whole lot more abundant grace. And if you need salvation in Jesus Christ and you need to get out of this uh, payment of sin and you know, man, I, I don't want to stand before God in my sin. Boy, I, I don't want to stand before God and, him, him and, and pay for my sin. That's the last thing I want to do, brother. Well, trust me, I'm the same way. And the way you get out of that is you go to the substitution. You go to substitution, which is Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He died for your sin. He paid the price for your sins. So when you get under the blood of Jesus Christ, He's covering you in His blood. Your sins are covered. God no longer sees your sins. He sees the holiness of Jesus Christ. It's already been paid for. See, all these stories in the Old Testament, they always point to Jesus Christ. Every one of them. From Genesis all the way through. They know the story of the Exodus. They know there was a precious lamb that was killed and the blood was put on the doorpost. They know this story. They know this story and they know, they know that when you get inside that door, that when you get inside that door, when, they, when God sees the blood, He's going to pass over them. The people of Israel knew that story. Now this story hadn't happened before at this time with these guys here. That story's going to happen in Exodus. But Israel, the people of Israel know the story of the lamb. They know the precious blood. And they knew it doesn't matter who you are. You get in that door and you'll be saved. And God says, when I go by and the destroyer sees the blood, it'll be a token between me and you that death's already been there. And I'll pass over the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ Peter says, is our Passover. Amen. 
John seen Jesus Christ come in the Baptist and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. They knew exactly what he meant. That's my Passover and I need him. And that's the substitution that delivers. His name is Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is your chance. Now, I was about 17 years old when I heard a preacher. I'd pr heard it all my life. Been in and out of church, but one Sunday I heard the preacher preaching and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm going to hell. I need a Savior. And I look back on my sin and I said, Man, I don't And I didn't know much about Genesis. I didn't know much about the Bible. I, I just said, you know what? I need salvation. And I walked down the aisle like a church just like this church. And I put my hand in the preacher's hand. And I said, uh, uh, Brother Packer, I said, I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. And I prayed right there and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you something. That was the best decision I ever made. I've never regretted it, and there's no way anybody can take that away from me. Amen. No way. No way. I've got Jesus Christ. And you know what's even better? Jesus Christ has got me. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy in our lives. Father God, and Father, just uh, pray that your Holy Spirit will move. And Father, just change people's hearts in here, Father. Some of us, Father, are dealing with so much stuff, Lord. And I just, Father, I just pray you uh, speak to the heart of truth, Lord God. Give them grace to bear what they're going through, Father. But, Lord, just above all else, we thank you for these stories of Joseph, Lord God. We thank you for the grace in Jesus Christ, Lord. And I want to thank you for these people, Lord, that come out this morning, Lord. Father, they need to be fed. They want to be fed. They want to hear your word, Lord. And, Father, I just pray you move on them. Lord, help them, Lord, with their daily lives, Father. Help us to live it like you want us to live it, Father, that we'll be a, a bright and shining light into this world, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us, Father. And Father, I just want to thank you for Jesus Christ. And I'm praying all this in his name. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. 
Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.